0: Welcome everyone to the Fantasy and Betting Podcast presented by the 33rd team. I'm your host as always, Josh Lurkey. Joined as always by my co-host, Ryan Reynolds. Today we are going to zoom in on fantasy football specifically. This is kind of that dead week between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. Why not talk some early 2024 fantasy? Best ball drafts are live on many platforms. And it's never really too early to start to think about 2024 redraft for the dynasty community. Let's get right into it. On the 33 teamcom I released how I think, or kind of how I believe the first three rounds of fantasy drafts should go. My top 36 players, I have a full paragraph read for each of them to help people understand my thoughts. Ryan, people need to read my top 36, but let's hear your top 12 at least. We'll give people a taste of how we're thinking about this. Why don't you rapid fire those to get us going?
1: it's still early, but th- this is where i CMC—that's pretty obvious. Don't need to go down the rabbit hole there. I'm gonna have Tyreek as the first receiver. You know, my only concern there is age and his speed diminishing, but I'll, I'll wait till I see that before I react to it. Then I have Jefferson third, Jamar Chase fourth. I might end up switching them, but I want to—I want to be at least even on both of them. C.D. Lamb fifth. I, I've seen that he's actually higher than that in a lot of. A lot of rounds so far here, but he went absolutely ballistic in the last two weeks of the season. I think his production is more of an anomaly than the new standard. I think he's still a very good player, but have him behind those top four options. Have our guy Amon Ross, Saint Brown behind him, especially in PPR formats. Brees Hall behind him. You know he's going to be a full year. Or- back from the injury. We know he's explosive. The thing I'm looking forward to most is Nathaniel Hackett's system. Remembering Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay on first downs. His primary is not right there. Swing passes, checks to the flat. You can see Brees Hall having a huge year in the air actually. Jameer Gibbs, we've seen what he's he's a factor in both phases. Gonna bet on him. Bijan Robinson and and I hope a Rams centric offense. I could absolutely see him being like like a supercharged Kieran Williams potentially. Obviously not with Matthew Stafford, but see good things from him jonathan taylor i have him at 10 josh doesn't like that garrett wilson i have garrett wilson at 11 uh i think he's going to be aaron Rodgers, Devontae adams in the jet for the jets next year then i close out my top 12 with aj brown
0: let's talk about these two contention points taylor and aj brown so here, here's my concern with jonathan taylor and then you'll give people the bull case taylor needed 20 total touchdowns in 2021 to be the rb1 overall That year, though, he still had 40 receptions, 360 receiving yards. Those are respectable. This past year was year one with Shane Steichen at the helm. And Taylor had 1.9 receptions per game. Just three of his 10 games, he had more than two catches. That was playing with Gardner Minshew. Anthony Richardson's not going to check down as much. He'll probably vulture more touchdowns at the goal line, too. Minshew ran in only three touchdowns this past year. I think Richardson's probably in the 8-12 to range, if Taylor doesn't have the receiving upside or the touchdown upside the way I'm looking at it, then I think he's probably going to finish as the RB5, RB6. And a first-round running back for me, I want them to have RB1 overall in that range of outcomes.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think he really has much of a shot at passing CMC unless CMC gets hurt. But this is my bull case for Thomas. High-quality offensive line. Like you said, 2021, he was the runner-up in the Offensive Player of the Year race. So we've already seen... Very high ceiling. I you know, I don't know what his odds will be to lead the league in rushing, but he'd be my favorite in this situation. Anthony Richardson helps him in that area. And with touchdowns, I think if Anthony Richardson played his whole rookie season with no injuries, cool, since he had two concussions, I'm not really all that afraid of him in the red zone poaching from him. Passing game work, definitely concern there. But my ultimately, I want some ceiling with some floor in the first round where I'd rather bet on Jonathan Taylor than, say, like Kyron Williams.
0: We'll actually talk about Anthony Richardson more later on in the show as well. AJ Brown, I'll I'll, I'll mention two positives. Uh, He has at least 1,450 receiving yards both years with Philly. And he's coming off of a career high 106 receptions that actually blows away his previous career high by like 25 catches. Congrats to AJ Brown. The problems for me, Jalen Hurts' ability as a passer. We talked about how Hurts started to decline towards the end of last season. The Eagles' pass defense was bottom five this past year. I don't think they're necessarily going to be a, a super good unit next year, but there's probably some natural regression. And if there's a pass defense improvement that could hurt the AJ Brown volume and the 106 receptions comes down, he's been consistent both years in Philly. He was the wide receiver, eight fantasy points per game, 17 PPR fantasy points per game. That's great, but I don't think he quite has that elite 20 fantasy point per game season in him. And that's why I'm I'm going to steer towards guys that I think have that as a, a more attainable outcome and i think ultimately for all the contention i think aj brown jonathan taylor early second round picks for me
1: yeah i have him in the same general cluster but with brown in the first half of the season he was basically in the offensive player of the year race so he was like a top three top four performer at that point they bottomed out in the second half that's definitely a concern but new offensive coordinator hopefully that helps things Hopefully, that helps stabilize things anyway. He's been more consistent than, say, Puka Nakua, Nico Collins, all the guys going around there. I'll take that consistency with the potential for some ceiling over those more volatile options for myself. And ultimately, I don't, the Eagles' offensive line could actually end up being my biggest concern. Say they lose Kelsey, say Lane Johnson even mm-hmm. retires, that will change things for me. But for right now, I'd rather bet on Brown than Puka Nakua or guys like that right now.
0: That's a good point about A.J. Brown. He did have that pretty ridiculous stretch early in the season. What was it, like three, four, five straight games with 125 yards? All right, Ryan, let's let's get out of the first round now.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I dove through your top 36. You know, we talked about a few things. One thing that caught my eye immediately was there's a bunch of names in the second round where, you know, we just talked about some of them. Pretty considerable ceiling. Not really reliable, though. Like, they've only had one good year, if that one name that popped out to me is you have Rashi Rice at 16th overall in your rankings. His ADP is currently 22. I'm not sure what I want to do with him yet. What are you thinking with him?
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll first I'll say any ADPs we're going to reference in this show, we're just pulling from the underdog fantasy way too early 2024 best ball drafts. That is simply the highest volume place for ADP that we can find right now. A lot of people, when I put my rankings out, they did not like Rashi Rice at 16. Some people were saying he shouldn't even be more than a fourth round pick. So it was at least validating that the week after I ranked him 16th, his underdog ADP opened at 22, which was pretty close. What I like is that the rookie season, when you zoom out, looks good. 79 catches, 938 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. That's great. What's more impressive is that he wasn't a full-time player until week 14. Week 14 is when he was actually out there for like 80, 90% of the snaps, the routes. We'll start at week 12. That's kind of when he broke out when he first hit that 70% route participation week 12 onward in those six games to close out the regular season, more than nine targets, more than seven catches a game, 86 receiving yards a game, 18.8 PPR fantasy points per game. That is a high end fantasy wide receiver. One that is better than AJ Brown's season output. The pace for those six games, it's just six games, but in terms of a glimpse at upside, that's 122 catch 1468 yard, eight touchdown pace. And then three playoff games. Still average, uh, I guess we'll, we'll see what he does in the Super Bowl, but in those three playoff games, still averaging 16 PPR fantasy points per game. That's a low-end fantasy wide receiver one. That's still awesome. That's in the playoffs. And he only has one touchdown in those three games. So we're not getting a weird touchdown inflation. We have no idea what's happening with Travis Kelsey. Maybe he retires. Uh, at the At the very best case scenario, he's a slightly diminished version of what he was in 2023. And it looks like Rice will be the true number one option for Mahomes in
1: 2024. That's JLarky tweets. I want to actually give you a parallel here because, again, I like Rice. It's one of those things where I saw you had him at 16. I was like, oh, man, like I hate that because it kind of makes sense. But his second half of the year kind of looked a little bit like Amon St. Brown's rookie year a little bit, but this guy has Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes. Do you think that's fair?
0: Yeah, I'd say Amon Ra's second half was a little better, but I think the. I like the parallel of it's a guy that comes on strong his rookie year and where there's going to be people that discount it because it was, oh, it's just half a season or six games, whatever it might be. At this point, it really is half a season. If we include those three playoff games, we're at nine games and we saw that Omron took a massive step forward in year two. Rice has better draft capital. And like you mentioned, he's not catching passes from Jared Goff. He's catching passes from Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, no disrespect to Jared Goff, but he is not Patrick Mahomes, nor is really anyone else on the planet. You now, an- another thing that I wanted to ask you here is: veteran wide receivers are a tough thing to, to handle. You know, what are two guys where their ADPs like one guy's too high, one guy's too low, or where you think they should be closer? Give us an example of a pairing like that.
0: So Devontae Adams, his ADP is twenty six, and I it f- might be a little high, but I get it. Devontae Adams was number one in the NFL in target share, 33%, and number three in team air yard share, 44%. Essentially, this was the passing offense for the Raiders. But ADP 26, he he turns 32 at the end of the season. He has quarterback uncertainty in Las Vegas. Maybe he gets traded. We're not quite sure. ADP 26. Now let's talk about another receiver, a veteran. He turns 32 this summer, similar to Adams. He was number 10 in target share 29% to Adams 33, very similar team air yard chair was number four instead of number three. So Adams number three mystery guy, number four quarterback uncertainty as well might get traded. So if we're talking about similar peripherals, similar age, similar quarterback uncertainty, why does Devonte Adams go at ADP 26? And then DeAndre Hopkins is down at ADP 79. I would take Adams ahead of Hopkins. He's six months younger. His peripherals were a touch better. But 26 versus 79, when Hopkins at least seems locked into Levis' worst-case scenario, that feels better than the worst-case for Adams at this point.
1: Another thing that I, that I you know, there's a few other spots that I was like, all right, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do here. A big one for me is the Rams. You know, Kyron Williams had a great year, smart football player, benefits from Sean McVay's system. Then you have Puka Nakua, who's better than I thought he was. But again, benefits from Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford. The idea of taking those guys right around the turn drives me crazy, especially in Williams' case a little bit. Um, How how are you handling them at this early juncture?
0: So I have them as kind of later first-round picks. It seems like uh, the early drafters seem to agree with me based on ADP. Puka's coming off the greatest statistical rookie season ever. And I'm assuming Matthew Stafford's back. Obviously, if Stafford does not come back, we're terrified. But as of right now, uh, they made the playoffs. Stafford seems at least relatively happy. And then Kyron Williams, he was the only running back within six fantasy points per game of Christian McCaffrey. The only one. He was only three behind him. And I understand fourth round or fifth round, whatever it is. It's day three draft capital. It's it's bad. That's that's terrible. He's undersized. He didn't test well. But uh, one thing that we've talked about extensively and why we don't hate Najee Harris, why we don't hate Ezekiel Elliott when he was on the Cowboys is that players under heavy volume are going to be less efficient. It it makes sense that a lot of these backup running backs, like a Tony Pollard, are going to look really, really, really good on limited touches. Then you start to give them more touches, and they get tired, and they are not as good. For anyone out there at home, think about your mile time. Do you think you could run that same pace for five miles? Probably not. But Kyron Williams, even with the second biggest workload among all players that wasn't CMC, he was eighth in next-gen stats rush yards over expectation per attempt. So by one metric with player tracking data, he was the eighth best running back per attempt in the NFL on ridiculous volume. Puka Nakua, I don't think you can fake being a good receiver. We're hoping he still has Stafford. And then Kyron just showed that with crazy volume, he can be awesome.
1: To answer your question, Josh, I could never run five miles even when I was in fighting shape and the idea of even running (laughs) one right now, literally no thanks. Now, another guy that I want to talk about, I think this is very interesting and potentially important is Saquon Barkley. I think if he stays with the Giants, we've already seen the ceiling. However, if he signs with Houston or if he signs with the Chargers, especially with Harbaugh with the Chargers, you get top 15 offensive line, premium pocket passer quarterback. I think Barkley in that scenario becomes a first round pick for me. What are you thinking about him in general?
0: I'll answer Saquon in a second, but I'd be remiss not to mention the funny thought in my head. Everyone out there knows that we do quote graphics. Every company does quote graphics. I think it'd be hilarious if our quote graphic was Ryan Reynolds and Kyron Williams. I would never run five miles. End of quote.
1: First Please, round no. Please don't do that. But
0: <laughs> So Saquon Barkley, I, I see the upside. here. Here's a few concerns. We're, we're going to be looking at a 27-year-old free agent running back. He's really only had his rookie year as an elite fantasy season. That was back in 2018. He's had some good years. And he's had some pretty rough years, but he's never had the difference-making year outside of 2018. That'll be six years ago. And I'm just not sure if teams are going to see him as the full-on bell cow, which is probably what he's going to need. I agree that there's some upside destinations, but in this day and age, if he was on the Texans and Devin Singletary was there getting 30% of the work, I don't think that would surprise either of us. Maybe it would surprise you, but I... Yeah, it wouldn't be particularly no. surprising to me given Saquon's injury history. I think there's a really good chance that uh, he's getting 60 to 70% of the work for a
1: team next year. That makes sense, especially if it's like a one-year deal, you know. So, we'll see. I'll be very curious. Another one, a similar guy who might end up with a different team is Mike Evans, the model of consistency to the point he's probably a Hall of Famer. Um if he stays in Tampa, I guess we already saw last year what his outlook can be. Say he goes somewhere like Buffalo, though, the ceiling rises. Plus, he's get, you know he's not exactly a spring chicken anymore. So where are you at on Mike Evans?
0: I really like Mike Evans. I think he's a third-round pick. Uh, maybe even an early-ish third-round pick. Right now, it seems like drafters are taking him in the third round, kind of in the middle. Uh, you talked about the Hall of Fame resume, 10 straight years of 1,000 yards or more. 2023 was actually his best season since way back in 2018. So it doesn't look like the agent curve is hitting him at all. I'd say the most likely quarterback team receiver pairing for him would just be that he's back on the Buccaneers catching passes from Baker Mayfield. Similar, maybe better stats than last year, because this would be year two with that connection. And uh, a guy like Evans, if he's going to leave the Buccaneers, he's he's not going to a, a team with a bad quarterback. This isn't a guy that I think needs a crazy amount of money. I think this is a guy that wants to win. So we're looking at maybe Buffalo, Kansas City. Those are good landing spots where he gets high volume from an awesome quarterback. And I I just don't really see a scenario where his situation is. I think it's either the same or better than last year. So I'm I'm very
1: in on him in the third round right now. Yeah, I think you make a great point. I think the chances of him going to Carolina, for instance, (laughs) in a rebuild are, are almost zero.
0: Yeah, people have like talked about T. Higgins there, and I'm like, guys, this is a very different player. This is a young guy in his mid-20s. He's not 31 like Mike Evans. Uh, Higgins actually has a lot to prove after these past couple injury seasons. So I I completely agree. Uh, If if Evans went to Carolina, I will eat my words, and then some. Don't see that happening.
1: Yeah, I think the Panthers are the type of organization that pays T. Higgins like a top-five wide receiver. Next up, Josh, something I wanted to ask you here is – I'm big on going back and auditing whatever I do, be it you know picks against the spread, prop bets, who I was high or lower on in fantasy and how they hit. I throw it if it's an injury, I just throw it out. But give us something that that you got wrong last year and how you'll adjust this year from from what you learned from that experience.
0: So I faded DJ Moore last year. I I, don't, I think anyone that played fantasy last year knows that DJ Moore was pretty awesome. If we look at the situation that he was in last year. Some volatile quarterback play. And when I say volatile, I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. It's not that we thought Fields was guaranteed to be terrible. We just thought there was a good chance he would be terrible. We we knew that he had some higher end outcomes. We knew that he ran. It was a little bit concerning with the with the volume there, but a lot of moving pieces. DJ uh, Moore had minimal target competition. Uh, neither of us think Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney are particularly great players. And the team did not have much invested in their run game. Khalil Herbert, Six round pick was kind of a guy. Deonta Foreman was on the veteran minimum. Roshan Johnson was a fourth round rookie. There is nothing invested in the backfield. So it, it would make sense then why DJ Moore could be the focal point of the offense and that we shouldn't worry so much about volume when we know that we have a super talented player that could very easily be the clear-cut number one option, regardless of uh run, pass, whatever it might be. But I, I will defend myself a little bit in the sense that. DJ Moore did outperform expectations. And I think that's why anyone that wants to draft him at the one, two turn in fantasy should be a little careful. He was ninth in fantasy points per game. That's pretty good, but he was 18th in targets per game, 19th in air yards per game. So he was vastly outperforming some of his peripherals. It would make sense that he'd outperform a little, a little bit. Uh, he DJ Moore, he's built like a running back. He's great after the catch. A lot of the reason that he outperformed expectations based on targets and where they were downfield was because of how good he is after the catch. So uh, someone like DJ Moore, I I will try not to miss on in the future. But I think we should also recognize that we don't want to then overcompensate too much the next year and recognize that DJ Moore looked, based on his peripherals, like a 2-3 turn pick in fantasy. Let's now turn to position by position. Let's talk about players that we think are going to be rising or falling in ADP as the this best ball drafting season goes along. As anyone that's trying to follow this and start to prep for 2024 fantasy drafts, people out there using the current market in Dynasty to choose which players they want to try to trade away or trade for. But before we get to those players, we are sponsored by Better BETR. We're talking some fantasy football. Why not talk some fantasy picks? Better the startup co-founded by Jake Paul. Everything he touches at this point seems like it succeeds. The Paul brothers, love them or hate him, they, they've got like 60, 70 million combined followers at this point on social media. It's ridiculous. Better is taking off. It's available in about half of the states in the US. That is awesome. We love to see how quickly they're expanding their Fantasy Picks app. And I think anyone out there that is playing fantasy football is going to be pretty good at this. The promo code is team. All one word, no spaces. 33rd team. That gets you. Uh, well, it gets us uh, more job security. So you can you can take solace if you're listening to this podcast that Ryan and I can put food on the table for our non-existent families. We are parties of one at this point. And uh, you also get a deposit match of 100% up to $500, five times the industry standard for the other PIX apps that are out there. So you put in 100 bucks, you have 200 in your account. You put in 500, you got 1,000 in your account. The two of us and Jordan Vanek will be releasing early next week our better picks for the Super Bowl. So if you want some kind of picks action early right now and you don't want to wait a few more months, well, Super Bowl is coming up. What better time to throw some money in the accounts? Get that deposit match while it exists. Promo code 33rd team. Better picks. Quarterback. Let me talk about a player that's going to rise in ADP. We hinted at him earlier. It's Anthony Richardson. Currently going in the fifth, kind of mid uh, to late fifth, early sixth round of fantasy drafts. I I love Anthony Richardson. Did not like him as a rookie. I got that right and wrong. I got that wrong, obviously, because he had 22 fantasy points week one, 18 fantasy points in week two on a third of the snaps before injury. Didn't play in week three. Week four, he had 30 fantasy points, the QB one, and then he got hurt in week five. So I was wrong in the sense that Anthony Richardson scored a ton of fantasy points I was right in the sense that the style of play is concerning. Rookie quarterback struggle with awareness. He will have to change how he plays to some extent, but if we zoom out, I don't, Ryan, what's the big difference between say Anthony Richardson and Jalen hurts better supporting cast for hurts. But in terms of the the type of player at this point, I don't think there's that much difference. And I think Richardson should probably going late fourth, early fifth round. ADP of 64 seems pretty tasty. Give me your thoughts on Richardson and then a player that you think is going to rise at quarterback ADP.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's the guy that would have kept me up last year if I had the first overall pick just because his athletic ceiling is, you know, borderline unprecedented. It's remarkable. I think Jalen Hurts is fair. The one advantage Richardson has over Hurts, where Hurts has the better supporting cast, is Richardson has the coach that basically helped Jalen Hurts become a Super a Bowl color color. player. So that's exciting for him. For me, um, this is going to be more of a ball centric pick for me. Daniel Jones is going at 173 ADP currently. You know, his injury, maybe he starts the season on the shelf. Maybe he doesn't. That's a bit of a murky area. But getting a guy who's a dual-threat quarterback that's ran, I think he's ran for 700 yards in a season, if I'm not mistaken. Getting a yes. guy that late, I don't care if he misses the first three weeks. That doesn't matter to me at all. I'm taking him all the time at 173 for as long as I can.
0: All right, put on the pessimism hat. Ryan, early round quarterback that you think the ADP is pretty high right now and you think as the the season matures for drafters that his ADP will drop.
1: Yeah, I love Josh Allen. I don't even think he needs a great supporting cast to succeed. I think he kind of did that this year. I don't think Buffalo is a great supporting cast on offense. You know, we we've talked about this. Stefan Diggs maybe on the decline and Kincaid will be better next year most likely, but him going him going at pick 18 I have no interest in that I'll wait till he drops if he doesn't drop that's fine I I need a running back or wide receiver in that era area if I like you said with Richardson too like if I can get Richardson in like the 6th round I'll just I'll just wait and take my chances with those guys
0: I think that's a good one uh one player I can't pull the the trigger on right now is Justin Fields in the 6th round guys the bears are probably going to take Caleb Williams Fields' ADP should drop after that It doesn't even matter if he gets traded, not traded. I I don't see any world where they 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 eye Caleb Williams and then people go, we like Fields more. I think you're looking at him backing up Caleb Williams, uh, maybe getting traded, where he's not the starter for any or all uh like of, of 2024. Maybe he starts some games, even if he ends up in the dream destination of the Falcons. I think that's what we've identified as at this point the best possible outcome for supporting cast system, then sure. You can take him in the sixth round. So I, I just think ultimately the sixth round is where you should go. If you get that dream destination, the downside risk is not being accounted for. I, I can't take a quarterback who's on the move and might not start every game in the sixth round Whew. running back. I think uh, maybe the most mispriced running back right now, it's going to be Jalen Warren goes in the ninth, 10th ish round right now in fantasy drafts. Arthur Smith is a new offensive coordinator. He's become a punchline as a head coach, but I think people forget how awesome he was those two years as OC for the Titans. The Titans were run heavy. Hill, also one of those years had over 30 touchdown passes. He, he actually Arthur Smith's a, a great play designer when he's the OC yeah, head coach. He was overmatched. I think they're going to be really, really run heavy in Pittsburgh. Warren started multiple games over Najee Harris in 2023. We've obviously got the contingent injury upside of should something happen to Harris, Warren goes nuclear. And I think that my favorite stat for Warren, here's a running back receptions leaders last year, Brees Hall, then Alvin Kamara, then Christian McCaffrey, then Rashad White. That all makes sense. Three receptions beside behind Rashad White was Jalen Warren with 61. That blows my mind. That just shows how good this guy can be, even in an offense that wasn't highlighting him. This is just a good player. We should like him. In the ninth, tenth round. Give me a late round guy you think is going just too too
1: late. Yeah, I mean, I love Warren too. That's a great call, Josh. Um, for me, this is this is this is much thinner than Warren. Rico Daddle on Dallas going at 193. Um, there were a few times when we did shows last year where I, I said like I thought Rico Daddle was Tony Pollard a few times last year. You know, yeah. just quick glance. I'm not he's not gonna be a bell cow guy, but I could see him filling that role Pollard did in his second and third season, maybe where, you know, and the other thing is why is Dallas going to pay Tony Pollard big money this year after what he did last season? So I don't think Pollard will be the guy, but I do think he could essentially be this year's Jalen Warren in some ways, maybe not as, as with the receiving volume, but I think he has much more upside than a guy going as late as he is.
0: I like that call. Let's look at a couple of running backs. We think fall in ADP. I think Nick Chubb should not be going, uh, around the the round five, round six turn. He's probably going to get his deal restructured. If he stays with Cleveland, they can save like 13 or $14 million just by cutting him. I I don't think they do that to him. I think they restructure, but that's still uncertainty. We don't really like that. When ultimately we're looking at a guy that turns 29 years old in December who underwent knee surgery to repair his ACL in September. And then underreported, he underwent a second knee surgery in mid-November to clean stuff up. So I hope he's ready by the start of the season. I'm not quite sure. Uh, again, he turns 29 in December. He's not young. He has the ACL tear. He doesn't catch passes, so he needs explosive runs. And the explosiveness might be sapped when he needed a second knee surgery mid-November. It's not that I hate Nick Chubb, the player. It's just that, uh, I, I i mean, I, he'd be someone I loved if he was going round 10, round 11. But at the 5-6 turn, I want someone that's going to contribute a little sooner. And I think there's a lot of downside risk right now. He kind of feels like, javante williams last year where i'm like oof yeah that's just very very early for a guy with a catastrophic knee injury who uh is not necessarily uh, a massive pass catcher either give me give me a guy that's going a little bit later that you're still not interested in
1: you're scared the daylights out of me on nick chubb josh um when i when i looked through the list ty chandler is the name i came up with like ty chandler is a player don't really like him as a fantasy back because I don't think, one, he can hold up to big-time volume on a week-in, week-out basis. Plus, we saw him for weeks in the primary ball carrier role, and he had one nice game. Didn't really do a whole pretty much underwhelmed otherwise. So since we've already seen him in the offense, why do I want to take him at pick 124, which is the 10th round when there's all sorts of other guys available there? Like, you can get Kirk Cousins two rounds later than Ty Chandler right now. So I'd rather take my stabs on on you know high-end guys like that at you know important positions. And you know, I'll take Rico Dowdle. Dowdle six, seven rounds later than Ty Chandler.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I couldn't really tell you who I prefer in fantasy right now. Next year, between Dowdle and Chandler, all I know is that one guy goes seven rounds later. Yeah. Receiver. I think uh, a player that's gonna rise at receiver. We're gonna look at rookie Lad McConkey. We like that his name is Lad with two D's. First off, that's just freaking awesome. Second off, uh, when you look at mock drafts, he's going to be a first or second round pick most likely. Jordan Vanek has loved what he's seen at the Senior Bowl from him. The counting stats aren't there. Anyone that's looking at counting stats, that's not the way to do it. He was injured for most of his time at Georgia, but uh, he's always open. Seems like he could be an instant contributor at the NFL level with good draft capital. He's good with the ball in his hands, 216 career rushing yards despite all those injuries, four rushing touchdowns. He also returned about 20 punts in college. Any guy that's getting rushing and uh, punt or kick return work, you know that this guy's a dynamic athlete that often translates to the NFL level. I think a good example is Jaden Reed, where we saw Jaden Reed getting incorporated, not just in the pass game, but the run game. And that was true in college for someone like that as well. He was a second round pick. I, I think if Vlad McConkey had that type of season, wouldn't shock me. And to be able to get this guy in the 12th, 13th, 14th round of fantasy drafts, why not take the late round stab? Let's let's give me one more late round guy. You think is going to rise as the process moves on.
1: I like speech. There's Jalen Hyde on the Giants showed some promise last year. Um, obviously there was a ton of quarterback volatility last year with New York with three different starters. Um, guy who can take the lid off. He's a guy, you know, five catches, 100 yards, a hundred yards, the touchdowns very much. You know, he could, he could do that three, four, five times in a season. You can get him in at uh, pick one eighty three right now. You can even pair him with Daniel Jones in late rounds. If you're a best ball player, I'm going to be doing that probably to an egregious extent at this point, just, you know, taking shots on it. But yeah, I mean, getting one of the fastest receivers in the league, that's probably going to start next year. I'll I'll take that in the late rounds any day.
0: I like that. Ryan, I'll kick it right back to you. Uh, bullish on Jalen Hyatt. What mid round receiver are you bearish on?
1: So I think most people would be surprised about this. Like, we actually think Arthur Smith for the Steelers, not for most teams, for the Steelers, given their situation, really isn't that bad of a decision. He resurrected Ryan Tannehill's career. They're a defensive team that wants to run the ball. That's all fine. I don't think it's a good thing for George Pickens unless he gets moved. Uh, he, he's he's right now going at pick fifty-seven. I would take Dalton Kincaid over him, who's going two rounds later. You know, all sorts of guys. So George Pickens is a complete fade for me. At pick 57 right now.
0: Yeah, when I was crafting the show sheet, I put in a few picks and sent it to Ryan. I nearly put Pickens in, and I thought he was going to want Pickens, and I knew that there were a couple guys later that I might have taken that he would have liked. So I didn't take Pickens, and then when he put him in the show sheet, I was like, ah, looks like we we know each other pretty well, and we're, (laughs) we're pretty aligned on what an Arthur Smith offense will probably look like. The guy that I'm fading, he goes in the ninth round. That's just still so early for... Romeo Dobbs, he had 674 receiving yards during 17 games of the regular season. Eh. I think what people like is that he had 151 and 83 receiving yards in his two playoff games when Christian Watson was still working his way back from injury. I personally will lean on the 30 game sample during the regular season where he's averaged three and a half catches and 37 receiving yards per game. I I think in general, he's worse than Jaden Reed. He's worse than Christian Watson and our guy, Jordan Vanek likes Dontavian Wicks. I think Wicks at many points this year, the rookie also looked better than Dobbs. There's a good chance you're getting a guy that doesn't start in three receiver sets in the ninth round of fantasy drafts. I don't think you can do that. Let's turn to tight end in the, the mid rounds. You've talked a little bit about Kincaid. I I love Kincaid as well. A guy that I personally like even more is Trey McBride. He currently goes in the seventh round and, uh, I, I had him in my top 36. I, I don't know if the what's going on there. Clearly, I'm a little too high if I'm that off from drafters, but guys, come on. Trey McBride was going at pick 100 four days ago. He's already up to 80, so I think people are starting to realize, oh, whoa, whoa, we, we messed up here. McBride took over for Zach Ertz as the starter in Week 8. Those next 10 games, he would have been the tight end one in fantasy points per game. He was averaging 15 fantasy points per game. Eight and a half targets, six and a half catches, 66 yards. Round two draft capital from two years ago. As your uh, mentor, Evan Silva, likes to say, the the MFN Mackey award winner in college. This guy's just good at the game. Yeah, his success last this past season was not just the Zach Ertz injury. It's that he's also just a great player. I think the most likely outcome is that it's him catching passes from Kyler Murray with some superstar rookie receiver like uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malik Nabors. Opposite him. That sounds like a consolidated target share. And like defenses can't just key in on him. Uh, I'm very, very bullish on McBride. Give me a later round guy that you're excited about.
1: Yeah, you know, this is more of a, a dart throw, but give me Michael Mayer at pick 178. I hate the quarterback uncertainty. That's really why I'm not in love with this. But very good player. Went right. I think he went the pick after Sam Laporta, and they were equivalent talents, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he's a guy where how how I look at this is what are the range of outcomes and where could this guy potentially go in 2025? Like if Michael Mayer was going in the eighth round in 2025, it wouldn't shock me at all. I'm going to have a ton of him if he stays in this, in this range.
0: That's a good way to look at it is where do you think this guy will go in 2025? I mean, if we put him on the lions, I don't think he has the season Laporta does. I think no. at this point we should assume Laporte is better from what we've seen, but yeah. I, if, if he had close to the Laporta season, I don't think that would have surprised either of us. Right. All right. Players were a little more pessimistic about it tight end TJ Hawkinson. He goes before pick 100 hit a late season ACL tear. He's competing with Justin Jefferson and then year two of Jordan Addison for targets quarterback situations unknown. Good chance that the Vikings have a better run game than last year. It can't really get worse than this past year. I, I think there's just better options. Uh, just take Dalton Kincaid in a similar range. There's, there's so many guys later too that I would even prefer. I, I honestly thought Hawkinson would be going in like the, the 12th round. So to see him going in the eighth, ninth round just blew my mind. I, I assume you're with me on Hawkinson, but if not, let me know. Give me a, a veteran tight end that you're concerned about.
1: Yeah. No, with the injury situation, man, you have to, he has to go later than this. Um, um, Speaking of injuries, this is this is a walking injury at tight end Darren Waller, ADP 147. I think I didn't look at it because I'm not really a drama guy, but I think he went like on a rant on Twitter on TikTok or something recently too, but I he's expensive now. He didn't really do anything even when he played. I could see the Giants getting rid of him if that's possible. And even when he, you know, what is he going to play 6, 7 games in a season? I I could see him being done entirely, so for now at least, I'm going to fade him at ADP, and if he goes up two rounds in the future and he's the giant starter, like I'll, I'll buy some then.
0: I like that. Folks, that's Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. Check out his articles on the33team.com. We have so much Dynasty betting content coming to you. We'll have some best ball content coming to you shortly on the33team.com. Let's talk about quarterback receiver stacks. We're each going to discuss a a stack we'll probably have a lot of for 2024 drafts. And I think it's always fun when it's someone that you weren't necessarily in love with the year before. So uh, one player I loved last year was Jaden Reed. Took him all the time as a dart throw that ended up working out. One player I did not like, I was not sold on Jordan Love. That was a mistake. I should have liked Jordan Love. I am making up for the Jordan Love hate. I I really like taking Jaden Reed in the fifth round, Jordan Love in the eighth round. We saw Reed put up 64 catches, 912 total yards, 10 touchdowns as a rookie. Love was second in the NFL with 32 passing touchdowns. He had 245 passing yards per game. And his receiver core was the youngest in the NFL, and it was injured routinely throughout this past season. I think with a little bit better receiver health with all of them a year older, I think there's a real chance Green Bay is a top five fantasy and real life offense in the past game in 2024. Give me Reed in the fifth, love in the eighth. Ryan, how do you feel
1: about that one? See, I'm very upset that Jaden Reed is going in the fifth round. You know, watching him this year is like this is a guy that I'm gonna take in the seventh or eighth round every single draft, and that he's going in the fifth round already. This pleases me greatly. But this is how I'll make up for it. When receptions props come out, lead the league in receptions. I'm gonna see how deep of a long shot he is. If he's a to one, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a shot at him on that.
0: I like that uh give me a quarterback receiver stack and i w- I will say this was my other candidate so it's funny how when we're making show sheets we try not to communicate too much about our player takes this was the other one i was considering along with green bay so i was very happy to see
1: this i'm gonna buy the dip on trevor lawrence i did it in the second season i had you know I was way overexposed to my best ball where he's going right now i'm gonna be way overexposed again he's one of those guys where he's on the short list of of players that have the potential to at least flirt with lead the league leading the league in passing yards now stacking him with his pass catcher i'm not really in love with any of them specifically if ridley's back i'll do it with ridley if it's kirk i'll do it with kirk i'll do it with engram to a degree don't really care so much about zay jones but i'll mix him in too but primarily i'm definitely going to be overweight on trevor lawrence if he stays in his current adp
0: that's a good call there folks we have a lot of great dynasty content coming soon to the site and Many of you loved our rookie guide last year. It will be back. That's coming in the next two to three months. Stay on the lookout for our rookie guide for dynasty drafts. The redraft folks can gain a lot from it too. And if you're just wondering how, well, we're, we're we've talked about a few rookies on the show already. Well, we'll talk about a couple more to end the show. You should be aware of how to handle rookies and, Dynasty rookie guides are often the best place to learn about these rookies to learn about the expected draft capital, their strengths and weaknesses, the types of teams that would fit their skill set best. Because what we see year after year is that some of the league winning players are, in fact, rookies every year, every year, folks. This past year, Jameer Gibbs, Puka Nakua, it happens every year. And I think we should just close the show with some rookies. So uh, we're each going to give a rookie we're going to have on a lot of our fantasy teams in 2024 at this rate. I'll start with wide receiver, Troy Franklin. He goes in the 11th round in early drafts, our company. We just mocked him 23rd overall to Houston this week. Uh, That's pretty exciting. If you hate our mock drafts, that's okay. Because literally every other mock draft that came out this week, that was even remotely reputable, had him as a late first round pick. I, I think at worst he's going in the early to mid second round, but good chance to stay in the first round. Early declare receiver from Oregon, two times the receiving yardage of anyone else on the team as a sophomore. Then he had nearly 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns as a junior. He's got a little bit of height, he's got some speed, and we we like the early declares that get good draft capital, like Troy Franklin. 11th round is just ridiculous for what we know about rookie receivers at this point. Ryan, close out the show uh which which rookie are you gonna have a lot of in 2024
1: well you know i just started diving into rookies this week so thank you for putting troy franklin on my fantasy radar for now he was on my list i haven't watched him yet that sounds very good to me in round 11 i'll be pulling the trigger on that as well now for me the one guy that i had in mind is way back when when harbaugh had the 49ers vernon davis was probably the best tight end prospect in the you know, generational tight end prospect. There's another one this year in Brock Bowers, who's going in like the 8th to 10th round. I think there's a decent chance the Chargers pull the trigger on him because they have a need at the position. If Neighbors and Harrison are gone, it would make sense if they go to Brett Bowers as their third option as a pass catcher, give Herbert some more weapons. You know, we saw Sam Laporta go nuts as a rookie. Dalton Kincaid had a very good year as a rookie, and he even had a block early in the year with Dawson Knox, who they just paid. So rookie tight ends or not, they can hit more now than they could five years ago, I'd say. And with Bowers, as long as he stays in that range, his upside, I think it's at least what Sam Laporta's is. I'll take my chances on him, and I'm going to be in love with him if he goes with the Chargers.
0: Folks, that is Ryan Reynolds. I'm Josh Larkey from the two of us, from the 33rd team, from our sponsor, Better Picks, promo code 33rd team. Thank you, everyone.